0: For me, what I really am very determined is to integrate finance, business and sustainability in the same thing. It isn't about really integrating the three dimension in that way that you build a new business model for sustainability. It's not charity, it's business. Eh? And it's a good business to be a good business. So the more you integrate these three dimension the more you are crafting the new competitive advantage and the new business model.
1: From McKinsey's strategy and corporate finance practice, I'm Sean Brown, and welcome to Inside the Strategy Room. You just heard Juvencio Mayatsu, Deputy CEO and CFO of Inca Group. Inca is IKEA's primary retail organization, representing roughly 90% of its global sales. As Juvencio mentioned, the company today has a triple bottom line, successfully meeting customer needs, achieving financial outperformance, and ensuring a sustainable environmental footprint. I had the pleasure to sit down with Juvencio at a recent gathering of CFOs that we hosted in London. Before his current role, he was the CEO of IKEA India for six years, and I was curious how his past experiences are also influencing his current priorities. Here's our conversation. Thank you so much for joining us. Really excited to have you on the podcast today. First, I thought maybe we would start with a little bit of a description about your role, specifically serving as both deputy CEO
0: and as the CFO of the company. Thank you for having me here. Yes, it's a double role. On one side, we have a management board, or board of directors, which is made of two people. Yes, uh, and myself, and then in that sense, I am having the responsibility from the management board, but also several functions like CSO, sustainability, or real estate, or the procurement, and also managing director of the three group of companies that we have in Inca, which is the IKEA retail, but also Inca Investment and also Inca Center. Eh? At the same time, of course, from the financial point of view. I am also responsible to secure eh, uh, that dimension of the company. And it's in that combination that we are finding, and I am finding a lot of excitement in how to integrate finance, business, and sustainability as the same thing and not as add-ons or or competing things.
1: Interesting. And when you came into the role, did you come in as both deputy CEO and CFO?
0: Yes. Traditionally, even uh, my background is uh, financial uh, and economist. I have been uh, in my career leading business. And my last assignment was CEO of uh, IKEA in India. Eh? But I came with a more generalistic role. And the beauty now is that I am now trying to, as I said before, to integrate these three dimensions.
1: So you were the CEO of IKEA in India. What was the connection from that to the CFO role plus deputy CEO.
0: It was a, a fantastic transition. And then, of course, uh, you don't plan your career. It just uh, it just comes. I normally say the best in your life is to do a job that you really like, and because you like, you really perform. And if you perform, it's a base for a good performance, it's a base for a good development, and their career will follow. Eh? So the more you do better, the here and now, the better is uh, for the future. And then the beauty of India was that uh, it it helped me to really challenge myself and then understand many dimensions uh, because you cannot come to India or to any country with preconceptions or prejudgment or or trying to implement what you know. You need to come with a lot of humbleness in order to really be influenced by this work happening. Then you need to come with a lot of determination. And it's this humbleness and willpower which is really a good combination. And then from that experience, I think India helped me to grow as a person, as a leader. It was not about IKEA uh, supporting a better life for many people in India. It's also how India, can India make IKEA better? And I took this into the big organization in my current role. About what did I learn from there that I can apply now, in at the global scale in the company? How long did you serve as CEO of India? Six years. Six years, and
1: um, what was the market like when you came in, in terms of you know the, the residents of India and their shopping at an IKEA versus shopping at say a local store for furniture? Was this a cultural
0: change? Yeah, you know, it's uh, of course there are many differences. But at the same time, even if there are many differences, at the same time, the essence is the same. People anywhere in the world have dreams, have needs, have frustrations. You have many people called thin wallets, and thin wallets doesn't mean that you have to give up to these dreams, needs, and frustrations. So, and there was a deep connection in between what Ikea stands for and Ikea values, but also the society and the Indian values. So you go to the depth of that connection, you find, A, a lot of inspiration, and B, also the solutions in how do you really set up the business in India. And then from there, we started to work because, of course, you can feel overwhelmed by custom duties or transport costs or interest rate or inflation or or regulation, or cost of the real estate, and then they need to set up the uh, supply chain, you can feel overwhelmed by this uh, type of things. And the problem is that if you feel overwhelmed, everything will lead to high cost, and high cost will end up in high price. And then at the end of the day, we are determined to make Ikea more affordable for the many people. That's why the more you go to the depth about what you stand for, and what is important for India, and what is important for IKEA. And then uh, you start from there. That's why we're re-engineering a lot of things. Eh? And uh, uh, we were determined, for example, to start right with a 50% women, 50% men. We are determined to set up blue box in a traditional way at the beginning in order to start with a good brand. We were determined to connect IKEA store with a metro connection and either by connecting the Ikea store to the metro or finding the way that the metro was coming to yeah, Ikea, right, right. we were determined as well to set up the the right sourcing eh, with the Ikea supply chain based on the right quality and the right compliance and the right cost. We were determined to really set up the right price level, and that was not an easy one. I remember when we were about to press the button of the price level, then I asked the team, have we done everything we can do to start right with prices? And I remember we spent one full day talking with people in a very humble house in the outskirts of Bangalore. And then after this uh, one day, we learned that we need to re- th- rethink again the price structure and the price level. And we start again from scratch. Wow. And we managed. So I feel proud that today in India, you have more than 1,000 products that are priced less than 200 rupees, eh? and most of them locally producing in India, and it's with the uniqueness of IKEA. So it is in this determination that you need to find the, the solutions. So if you can talk a little
1: bit about the transition from that role to deputy CEO and CFO of the, the parent company and your team, so did you take anyone from your India team with you when you came into this new role? And how do you think about building your current team? Uh,
0: not initially, but there are two now. Who are <laughs> <laughs> the business reason compliant was the uh, fantastic Indian woman who was the CFO okay. uh, in IKEA India. But also uh, I have, uh, you know, I think at the end of the day, you can measure the ability of any leader by the ability to recruit an extremely good team i believe that recruitment is the most strategic activities within companies not in hr in companies because recruitment is the beginning at the end of everything and then it's about recruiting the right team eh? and we normally everybody says that but of course how do you manage eh, to do that for me uh, diversity is an important thing diversity and inclusion, because inclusion is even more challenging than diversity, is a key factor to define success because then you allow for different perspective. Then you have to be inclusive as a leader to welcome this perspective. Eh? Then of course you have to set clear expectation and then you need to have competence but also you need to have value base. Eh? Awesome.
1: And as you think about building sort of uh, a star team, versus a team of stars. What are some of the secrets that you have to sort of getting the team to gel, as a team?
0: I think uh, no matter in which position you are in the company, you need to have clarity in the goals and clarity on the expectation. You need to, with that, you need to have a bit of freedom uh, and trust. eh? You need to allow people to take responsibility. And then, of course, you need to share on a permanent basis the why. Because most of the discussion happen in the how in companies. But it's in the why where you find comfort. It's in the why where you find the drivers of the motivation and the different decision. So the more uh, I really spend a lot of time in the why. eh? In the why we do this, uh, what is the reason to do that, clarify expectation. Then people really uh, start to get connected in the how. But I have to say that um, I have tried always to be as open as possible and to share the same narrative with everyone. So I think it's wrong when you try to lead the company through your team. You also need to, of course you have to do that, but you also need to lead with everyone. And it's about walking around. It's about listening to people. It's about talking to people. It's about really connecting with as many people as possible. It's very time consuming. Leadership is very time-consuming. Leadership is not exercise on development talks or goal-setting conversation. Leadership is everyday conversation. Mm-hmm. And the more you talk, the better. I remember when I was a store manager in London, I remember I was used to walk the store and to really talk with every co-worker. No matter if it is the one pushing the trolleys or the one serving meatballs in the restaurant, <laughs> but you need to really connect with the many people, eh? because then you're really are listening, but also influencing. Then it's two-way. Yeah, exactly. I Can you just reflect a little bit on
1: some of the things that IKEA is doing to both drive a profitable business, but also something that's good for the planet and also good for the people who need to be able to afford IKEA product.
0: I think the most important thing is that we have clarified what performance is about. Yes. How do we know what good looks like? What is good performance? We have clarified this with a a value creation, a holistic performance. And then for us, good performance is made of four dimensions. Okay. The first one is better homes for customers. The second one is better life for people. It's a better planet for all. And it's a better company for the long term. What do I mean for that? And once I better homes for customer, it's about how can we serve the customer in a better way. It's in the more commercial part. It's about really do we have the right affordability? Do we have the right uh, customer satisfaction? Do we provide the right level of inspiration for people to have access to a better living? Is the commercial part we have? To, we have metrics, of course, like any business, around all these uh, the more customer brand-related uh, topics. Then it's better life for people, and who, who are people? Is your co co-wor- our co-worker? Right. Is people working in the Inca uh, supply chain? Mm-hmm. But also, it's about the people you touch because we are connecting with more than 600 million physically, more than 3 billion people digitally. Wow. Then the third is better planet for all. And this is the climate footprint. And then of course it's not only for us, how do we come, how do we reduce our impact, but also how do we create a positive impact? We have decided to become climate positive And we are happy now to have that from the baseline we have in 2016, we have grown by 24% but we have reduced our climate footprint by 13.7 in scope one, two, but also three. And also three. So So we are decoupling growth from climate footprint. So it is actually possible to do that. And then um, the final one is better uh, company for the long term. is the financial and business resilience of the company to secure that we can really create a healthy cost structure that is helping us to really power the investment that we do. Inca is owned by a foundation. And then we are very proud because at the end of the day, on one side we pay taxes, almost 29% last year, corporate taxes. Then we make big investment every year, and we finance that investment with our cash flow from operations. And then 15% of the dividend goes to the foundation because this is a way to support IKEA Foundation with all the more charity topics. There is zero euro that goes to the private pocket of any shareholder because we every, somehow everything goes back to society <laughs> in taxes, in investment and growth, right. or all the activities that um, IKEA Foundation is doing. So at the end of the day, it is really about securing the long term. So
1: what are some of the ways that you identify and pursue the things that only you can do and manage your sort of personal energy and
0: effectiveness. Yeah, it's an interesting question. I am actually in that process. Every year before going into holidays, Yes, I am asking myself, I want to use the holidays as a reflection. What is my added value for next year? Yeah. So somehow uh, you are pulled into so many meetings and yes. so many fair, things that... Fair that you end up uh, uh, being a slave of your agenda rather than being the owner of the agenda. Eh? And I keep asking that question every year to challenge myself. For me, what I really am very determined is to integrate finance, business, and sustainability in the same thing. It is a, it's about really integrating the three dimension in that way that you build a new business model. For sustainability, it's not charity. It's business, eh? yeah. and it's a good business to be a good business. So the more you integrate yeah. these three dimensions, the more you are crafting the new competitive advantage and the new business model. And I feel that I am really committed to do that. And this is in order to create uh, value in the four dimension. That's why I keep coming back to the value creation, yeah. because this is a way we have to set expectation to ourselves what good looks like when it comes to performance. What do I feel about in X year from now? Is by delivering value in the four dimension. It's about walking around and then sharing the why and then talking with people. And it's about nurturing the company culture because the company culture is not an statement in the world. It is exercise every day with your leadership. Can you share uh, just one
1: specific example of where you made that integration. integration. So, you know, where you had a business decision to make as the CFO and deputy CEO, and you were able to take that integrative approach.
0: We have some, uh, it's not that uh, we have all the answer. I like right. to say that we are very proud of our half full glass. <laughs> and then I am very transparent with a half empty, and okay. then we keep reducing the half empty. Okay. But the example of the half full glass, An example is, for example, climate spring in buildings. We have many buildings in the world. And then, of course, we are determined to go for renewable heating and cooling. And that comes with big investment. eh? And then at the end, it's about not maximizing financial return on the investment, but optimizing the returns of both the financial side and the climate side. eh? Uh, Exactly, the sweet spot. What is the sweet spot? It may be that you reduce 1% in the financial side. But it may be that you also drastically reduce your climate footprint. That's why we don't only do financial forecasting. We have to do, as well, carbon forecasting in order to be proactive. Every decision you take every day is helping you or not to deliver to our commitment on climate. This is an example. Another example, I take a couple of them more. We are, um, we are a big investor in renewable energy. Yeah. We have committed a frame of 6.5 billion euros. We have spent more than 3 billion now. We are producing today 140% renewable energy, 140. So more than you need. The more than we need. Eh? And then we will even double in the coming two years. So we are adding renewable energy to the grid. What is, uh, This is helping us to reduce our cost of energy. Of course, eh? yeah. So this is another example. How is good business to be good business. And these are and solar
1: the, solar panels? It's on solar, the, it's
0: wind parts, and it's solar. It's both world. all over the world. And then another final example, I can take more commercial one. Ike is famous by the meatballs. Eh? Okay, everybody, meatballs, yeah. everybody <laughs> has uh, eaten Love meatball. the meatballs. <laughs> we launched uh, uh, some, a couple of years ago, the plant-based bowl. Right. Plant-based bowl is 96% less of the carbon footprint than traditional and then it's extremely wow. good price, and it's fantastic and taste. It good. <laughs> yeah, yeah you, you have to do a blind test, and you will not hardly notice the difference. It's flying out of the shelf. I think very up great. to one-third is now plant-based ball. Wow. So it's a commercial success. Right. So, but then that is uh, helping us to reduce, of course. These are very different examples. Sure. And it's not that we have all the solution, but when you have a strong commitment, when you have the right principles and rules, when you have value-based leadership, then you take decision by decision. And then you have to combine all of this. And this is in in this uh, gray zone of dilemma, when I like to say we transform dilemmas into polarities. A dilemma is, do you choose one or the other? And then you have a feeling of loss, because by choosing one, you lose something else. And for us, uh, it's a polarity, where you really have to do both. A traditional dilemma is affordability or profitability. I like to turn this dilemma into a polarity, which is affordability and
1: low cost. Last question. You, you said that you're you're owned by a foundation, so the investor communications must be fairly straightforward, right? But as far as the public is concerned, how are you getting the message out about the way you're sort of
0: doing triple bottom line, mm. right? We have to do more, eh? okay. more communication. I think we, we are being told you should talk more. You should do more. <laughs> it's an exciting yeah. story. Uh, yeah, and, and we have traditionally avoided that because we are a bit, uh, you know, averse to it's kind of a bragging, no? But uh, no, it's not bragging. And we are told by many, we meet young leaders, we meet many people saying no, you should talk more in order to help to inspire it's more people. It's an inspiring. yeah. And, yeah. And this is for me the point. The more you can be clear, as I said before, proud of the half full glass, transparent with the half empty, because every company, and we also have empty, and then you need to keep closing that. When you communicate in the totality, you build credibility, because nobody will accuse you for not being perfect. But the problem is when you don't reduce the gaps and you don't work hard to reduce the gap. But we absolutely need to do more and to inspire. We are starting. I am very proud that we launched an initiative in Spain in Barcelona some months ago where we ask uh, co-workers travel to meet, you know, go to a windmill, go to a on by us, or go to meet suppliers in India, or go to the roof of the, st- to, to the real estate organization, experience what we do, and then you can share to the world. Because I think we have to go from... Communication dome by the few for the few to communication dome by the many for the many. And then it's more real, it's more credible. And I think the best is that I can do is that if your co workers are proud of what you do, then they will be the best ambassador of the story. Wonderful. Well,
1: thank you so much for joining us for the podcast today.
0: Thank you for having me here.
1: It was really a pleasure to speak with you. Take care. And thank you to all of our listeners for joining us today. As always, if you'd like to share feedback or an idea for a future podcast, please email us at ITSR at That stands for Inside the Strategy Room. You can also share your ratings and reviews on your favorite podcast player with many thanks to everyone who's already done so. We really appreciate all of your comments and feedback. Please do keep them coming. And if you enjoy this episode and would like to subscribe, just follow our weekly series on your favorite podcast player. And that's where you can also access our entire library of previous episodes. We also offer an inside the strategy room podcast collection page at McKinsey.com slash ITSR, where you can easily search our prior podcasts across six major themes and also access written transcripts of those conversations. Finally, if you'd like to receive alerts on our latest publications and insights, sign up on our practice insights page at McKinsey.com SCF for strategy and corporate finance. Follow us on Twitter at MCK strategy or connect with us on LinkedIn at the McKinsey strategy and corporate finance practice page. Thanks again for listening. We look forward to having you join us again next week inside the strategy room.